Welcome to BitFaced. We talked to you about Camp Crash. I think it was a little less than a year ago. Episode one has come out. They have a Kickstarter now for episode two of Camp Crash. And if you didn't watch Camp Crash, I highly recommend going back and doing that. But the Kickstarter's up now. They're already a quarter of a way to their goal, which is fantastic. And they've got some wonderful perks on there. But you don't want to hear about all that from me. You want to hear about that from the director of Camp Crash, who is with me today on BitFaced, Daniel Crozier. Daniel, welcome to the BitCave. It's number one, great to have you here because you're one of my favorite people to talk to. And I'm so excited uh, of how successful the Kickstarter has been so far. But I have to ask to start because this is BitFaced. As a director, it takes a lot of balls to open a movie with a shot of your cock. Talk to me a little bit about that. <laughs> Gotta go straight for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so for, for that opening scene, uh, I, I always, I enjoyed uh, uh, movies like uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where one of the, the opening scene is basically that, that gnarly breakup scene and Jason Segel is just, you know, uh, you know, naked, you know, flopping around you know, while she's breaking up with him. And then uh, since it's, a, you know, kind of a dystopian summer camp, that nod to um, uh, Meatballs, um, you know, the opening scene where, um, was it Bill Murray is giving the morning announcements. Now, granted, uh, in, in this scene, there's no morning announcements, you know, that's spoken, uh, just, you know, a nice ass shot and, and a nice uh, frontal of my uh, twig and berry. Um, you know, I, I say Barry because he, I don't, I think you see only one nut at best. Um, it was a lot of fun to do and, and everybody was, was fantastically uncomfortable on set, but they, they still pulled it off, you know, like a professional crew. I think, uh, I think my, uh, uh, DP Ryan, you know, lovingly, uh, you know, he, he was the most uncomfortable person on set. He was just, you know, um. It was just hard to get get around there, but it was it was funny watching uh, like my co-producer sit there and just light my crotch, uh, you know, as well as he could, and uh, like he took his time and he's just like, no, this just doesn't look right. Let's try this and let's try. Kept trying different things, and you know, Ryan's just like, let's shoot this fucker and just get the fuck out. <laughs> I'm so sick of Dan being naked, and it's just like, well, you and me both, but. It's pretty. It's a pretty abstract opening scene. Uh, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into, and that's kind of uh, you know foreshadowing you know what else all all the weird crazy shit that's to come uh, from Camp Crash. Uh, not necessarily um, in terms of story, but just you know in terms of uh, themes and elements. It's it's uh, it's going to be really weird. It's it's a crazy you know bizarre ride. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't seen the, the episode, definitely, definitely go and, and, uh, you know, watch that first episode. I, it's basically a big musical number. I love the first episode. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty, it, 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 it kind of ends not necessarily on a cliffhanger, you know, but, uh, um, you know, kind of loose, you know, and, uh, you know, ready to, to kind of cue up that, that second episode. So I didn't catch this on my second or even third viewing, I don't think. But the sound effects, the the brain ass and the crowing cock. Yeah. <laughs> Whose idea yeah. was that? Uh, that that was my uh, um, uh, composer, uh, John uh, Mizuka. 
he's awesome. He he's with the the band uh, the Limbs. When I when I say with them, he is the band. Uh, it's a one man band. He's one of the most amazing musicians I know in, in Denver, and uh, he's he's fun and quirky and uh, you know he's just like yeah uh, for these shots the, you know it's just go full cam. So so we did that. It was it was pretty sweet. And we see Stu Mungus. Is that the character's name? That's me. We see him first before the voiceover and then the cuts right to the, the bus stop. I'm, I'm assuming Stu's going to be someone that we get to know a little better in the upcoming episodes. Yeah. In the, in the second episode, you really get to, you know, um, you're introduced to him a little bit more. Uh, he's a head camp, uh, camp counselor. Um, you, you're introduced to the clan that uh, Hagar is actually uh, a part of. Um, in the second episode, you, you get, uh, you know, you get to, um, you know, see the kids have like their first meal at uh, Camp Crash at the, the Hall of Mess and, uh, and they're hunting wild burritos. And um, yeah, the, then there's, there's, def- there's a lot of blood and glitter in, in the second episode. Hence the need for the Kickstarter. And I'm glad you guys are already getting, uh, you know, so much support. One of the things I noticed, and you guys listening might want to take advantage of this, most Kickstarters I see for films to get killed and appear in the film, you're talking ten to 20000 You can get killed in Camp Crash for only $1,000. That's, that's a huge value if you ever have a dream like I do of being killed on screen. Yeah, uh, yeah if you're able to contribute, uh, we, we'd love to have you on, be part of the team. I mean, and there's there's other ways to, to contribute and, and uh, participate, you know, not only in the Kickstarter, but, you know, we think of, of uh, anybody who's contributing as, as part of our team and part of our, our uh, you know, Camp Crash family. Uh, you know, we welcome feedback, interaction. Um, you know, if, if you're able to, we'd, we'd love to, to have you on set and, you know, help out, you know, maybe be an extra. Uh, but uh, specifically... Uh, you know, those, those two tiers, um, you know, have an on, um, uh, on-screen death scene. And, uh, you know, I think for uh, an extra $500, you get an associate producer title. And, and a lot of other Kickstarters I pay attention to, getting that level costs you a hell of a lot more. And I recommend watch Camp Crash. After you watch it, you're going to want to see what goes on in episode two. I know I certainly do. And originally you were planning on doing, was it six to eight episodes total? Oh, more. Um, so it's a total, total of 11 episodes. Yeah. And, and initially, you know, we were going to do it as a feature film project. Um, but uh, it, it was suggested that it's just like, man, this is a huge undertaking. Let's break it up into smaller, you know, more manageable components. And so that's how it became episodic. And, and uh, I was a, yeah. I enjoy uh, serials. I really enjoy episodic uh, television now because I, I think it's um, it's still it's it's still just getting better and better uh, with the, the writing and production value. Um, but uh, at, at the same time, like my main influence is um, um, a filmmaker, Corey McAbee. Uh, he did uh, um, like American Astronaut, which is a, a black and white space western musical. And then he did a serial called uh, Stingray Sam, which was also a black and white space western musical, and um, it was uh, had, had voiceover from uh, um, oh, which is uh, Giles from uh, Frasier, that actor, uh, David Hyde Pierce. Yeah, 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 and um, uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely just it's 
it's really delightful. Like it, it just makes you so goddamn happy. Um, both American Astronaut and, and Stingray Sam. So, so that was a, that was a huge uh, influence. Uh, and uh, you know, I've just been trying to map it a little bit after that. Uh, granted, the content's different. It's much our stuff is a little bit uh, uh, more vulgar and fun because I, I can't go very long without saying fuck or shit or anal bleed or something like that. You know, something wholesome for the whole family. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty fun and enticing. Uh, and I forgot the rest of the question. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you just let me trail off and, uh, I've got nobody on this end to like rope me in. To rope you in. Yeah. 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 I can see why you want to do this in person more often. It's just like, okay, so we need a cattle prod an ankle bracelet, a perimeter fence for Dan, you know. No, I just, and I, I love listening to what the guest has to say because at the end of the day, the show's not about me. So I will let you just uh, just completely trail off. As an artist, uh, visually, you have one of the most impressive styles I've ever seen. You can't look at your art and compare it to anyone else. And I think with a lot of comic book artists and other artists, you can do that. You can see influence. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, when I watched Camp Crash, I was so impressed with your visual style. These are two completely different schools. Are you just that fucking talented, Daniel Crozier? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, you guys are you're, you're very sweet for, for saying that. Um, I didn't say that. Uh, I, <laughs> that. That makes you the probably the more insightful one because you've actually hung out with me at parties like 20 years ago. Uh, and you know better. <laughs> um, no, uh, it's it to me like like when I'm doing comics and when I'm doing film, they're just you know storytelling. Um, yeah, uh, illustrations one thing. It's, you know, that's something I've always been doing. I've done ever since I was a you know just a little a little pygmy. Um, but uh, you know, filmmaking. Uh, you know, that's, that's something that's kind of come about in the last, what, uh, 13 years or so. Was, um, actually, um, I think I, I dabbled in a little bit in, in that in, in art school and just, you know, running, you know, the video camera and, you know, using VHS way back when, um, and, uh, you know, just trying to get in familiar, get familiar with, with how that medium works and stuff. I, I, I you know, by no means do I know anything technical. I, I can edit film, but I, I have a hard time using Photoshop. It's, it's hilarious. Um, and when I say edit film, I, I really, I'm just a butcher. I am so terrible at it. Uh, but, but I make sure to surround myself with really talented, you know, people, um, you know, that their skill level is just off the charts and I'm, you know, able to network and, and work because, you know, with film, it, it, it involves so many different disciplines. And uh, in in skill sets and, and uh, it's you know it, it is quite the, the the thing to to you know develop into a nice cohesive uh, concerted effort. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's you know with with comics. I mean, you you know, you can do it yourself, or you can have you know work with a couple partners or something. It's it's smaller. It's it's a little. It can be a little bit more intimate, but. They're still both, you know, storytelling devices. 
Um, years ago, I had a, a performance group called OFM, Odin Fe Mood, and um, you know we get dressed in big latex monster outfits, and and uh, it was a big stage production. And I did that for like eight years, and every week we, you know, it was, it was hard to to get together anywhere from eight to eighteen people um, to you know get ready for a show and, and stuff. And it was you know. Yeah, it was it was fun, but it was uh, it was pretty painstaking. So if if I wanted to do a big production like that, I I decided uh, specifically around 2011, uh, I just wanted to have a, a large group of people that I could get together for a short period of time and make a film, and then that is the record of that activity of, of what we made. And, and uh, instead of going to a theater and setting up a big stage production, you just pop in the DVD or you have the, the digital file or the movie file and just, you know, you're good to go. And if, you know, people wanted to participate or from that productions, like by all means, they, they should, because uh, they're part of that family and that, that experience. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I see film is just, you know, big stage performance, actually scaled down. I think of that as scaled down. It's, which is bizarre. Um, but, uh, that's, that's just my perspective. What is it like to be directed by Dan Crozier? What, what would your cast tell us about what it's like to work for you? <laughs> um, that, uh, when I'm uh, nervous, I don't uh, hide it well. Um, <laughs> so they quickly lose confidence. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, you know, the feedback I get and is, is usually it's, it's a fun production. It's a fun project. You know, every, yeah, I, I try to make sure everything's, you know, nice and planned out and I've got, you know, a number of contingencies planned if, if something doesn't work. And then when, when that completely fails, we, we keep, we just spin it. And, um, and have fun doing it. Um, you know, I don't know what anybody else would say, but what I'm conscious of is when I'm trying to involve a number of people is I want to consider their time commitment. If, if the financing isn't there and the money's not there, I want to make sure that I only, they're only there for, you know, the limited amount of time that they can afford to be there. Um, I don't want to overstep that, um, and and that they're you know they're well fed. Um, so like when, when we were filming uh, Camp Crash, we for everything except for that opening scene, uh, it, it basically took us two days. And by two days, uh, I think the first day we were done by three or four o'clock in the afternoon, and, and we got started at like six a.m. And then the, the second day we were done by pretty much two o'clock. Um, and we, we pretty much got everything that we wanted. There, there wasn't any reshoots. Uh, and uh, yeah, everything uh, worked out well. I mean, people were, were tired the second day, but, but uh, yeah, everybody was willing. They were willing to show up. And uh, one of our um, cast members, Bonnie Finley, kid number three, um, she's in the band, uh, um, uh, and she's in another band right now too. Uh, they had, uh, every night that, that they filmed, that we filmed, um, she had a uh, performance with one of her bands. 
So you should be out till like, uh, you know, 1 or 2 a.m. and then show up on set at 6 and just ready to work. Uh, you know, exhausted, but, uh, but ready to go. Have, you know, lines memorized and, you know, ready to party. Can't crash style. That's a lot of dedication. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was pretty inspiring. You know, watching everybody you know work and, and able to to work uh, you know towards your vision and, and hopefully you know whatever you know your project ends up being you know as endearing uh, and uh, you know a part of you know something that that they want to put their hearts and souls behind. I think when we talked to you last, you were casting for episode one. Uh, can you tell us about again what that process looked like, how it wrapped up? If you were looking for specific things in in these people, and uh, had you worked with any of them before? Um, yeah, so uh, you know, casting yeah, is pretty interesting because some of the people that I cast um, they ended up uh, not being able to work out, you know, mostly you know schedule wise. Uh, so, you know, we were recasting up until probably two weeks before we let, you know, went, went before the lens. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that, it was nerve wracking, but it was just something, you know, it happens. Uh, schedules don't always work out. Um, but we were able to get, um, Alan Elijah Cutler, uh, in, in the lead role of, uh, Hagar. Uh, initially, uh, another friend of mine uh, and I wrote the pro- project for another friend. Um, he wasn't able to, to do it, uh, you know, and that, that's fine. But uh, Alan was able to just jump right in. And this was a month out. I you know, memorized lines. We had, you know, great long conversations on what the character does and stuff that he wants to throw in. But when I, when I look at a script, too, or when I work, work on a script, it, it's a blueprint. It's, it's not something that I, I really want to stick wholeheartedly to. I want to make sure that the actors and, you know, you know, people on set, you know, have, have room to, to improvise and come up with things. Maybe, you know, even before we have a fixed script, um, you know, they can add their, their two cents and, and, you know, hopefully it'll make it into the script. I, I don't think as, as fun and as weird as it is, and I, I probably should, uh, I don't think I, I, um, um, you know, omitted uh, anybody's idea from from what ended up on uh, on film for the most part. Uh, there's a few things that were were cut from time, but uh, but it, you know they pretty much got shot. And so you encourage the actor to completely envelop the character. And at the end of the day, do they know the character better than than you do? Is it do they fully form it uh, when they're performing on screen? Yeah, I hope so. Um, it, it certainly was the way with uh, Alan, um, and it was that way with uh, um, Ashley. She was a uh, uh, kid one. Um, she, you know, we did an interview. We've been doing uh, these, uh, you know, Facebook Live interviews with uh, uh, Amanda Armstrong, who's uh, you know coming on as uh, as one of the co-producers, and um, she's also uh, Tilden in the in the, the this first episode is that the gatekeeper correct yes um god yeah it makes me think of uh you know ghostbusters now zool and uh <clears throat> the gatekeeper and the key master and all that jazz um anyway uh yeah so so we've been doing these interviews and, and like uh 
uh, we'll have we had Ashley on last week and she came on and, and um, you know she she already she came up with this whole backstory and it was it was pretty interesting. Um, apparently, her character uh, um, was working in a Chinese restaurant would make uh, sculptures out of Chinese uh, noodles and uh, you know was living with mom and dad, but uh, the China, the restaurant. Uh, went under and so she just retreated completely into the basement and that's when mom and dad had to uh, kick her out and put her in summer camp that's got to be a good feeling when you create something and someone loves it so much that they they add their own layers to it and i think that's what is going to make the uh it's going to make the movie even better than the one that you imagined correct uh, I think so. It, it gives itself a, a number of layers. Um, so, you know, it, when I wrote the script, I, I made a lot of things very vague. I made the characters incredibly vague. I made the locations and, and uh, you know, props pretty vague. Uh, it was just the dialogue and the action that I, I, I focused on. And the reason for that is, uh, yeah, I wanted to be as flexible as I could so that anything that was uh, a noun, uh, you know, props, settings and stuff, could be figured out at a later time when, when uh, stuff was made available to us or when we found you know things that were appropriate right, and could work within our budget of nothing. Um, so, so having that flexibility and, and working with people that are just as, if not more creative than you, is, is absolutely wonderful. And they can take things and just run with it. Um, and they, they run like scissors. I don't know what your original vision for Hagar looked like. You mentioned that uh, you'd wrote it for someone else, but uh, I, personally, I, I find both the actor and the character captivating to the extent that buses are for the legless has become one of my own personal mantras. <laughs> That's great. That's it. Maybe we should make t-shirts out of this. Buses are for the legless. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, uh, I, just, I had a meeting with Amanda today. She, she put together a whole camp crash store, so... I'll have her design a t-shirt. <laughs> so far, I'd say that character definitely has all of the best lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hagar's wonderful. Um, well, for me, writing dialogue is, is so fun. I, I tend, you know, talking to you, you, you guys know how long winded I can be and, and I just kind of ramble and stuff. And that tends to be how I write too. You know, it's just long winded and, getting as many weird things, you know, in, yeah, in a paragraph as much as I can. And then, um, it's pretty fun to, to let people read it and, and see what their response is. Yeah. Usually it's one of disgust. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but that's fine. That, that means I've struck a nerve and then I can go back and edit and make it fun. Um, one of the, the more, um, annoying things I, I do is when I sit there and like read my stuff and, uh, and, uh, I just start cracking up at my own shit. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the dumbest, most pathetic thing, but I love it so much. It makes me feel great. And, and, uh, you know, my, my girlfriend, uh, Elise, she's, uh, you know, she just, uh, she's coming out with her first comic book and I, I see, I hear, I see her reading, you know, um, the, the text on the art as the art's coming in from, uh, from, uh, her artist she's working with and uh, she sits there and just laughs and laughs and she's like are you laughing at your own shit so it's like i can empathize you know it's I, I like doing that too it's it's fun it's a great feeling um i think it's the first step in when you're writing is if you don't yeah. like it 
no one else is probably going to like it either. So you, you, I think you really have to enjoy it. I, yeah. I do the same thing. I rarely write, but when I do, I have to like what I'm reading. I don't think there's anything unnatural about that at all. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's the best thing. You have to please yourself, um, and I do at least four or five times a day. <laughs> and, and you know, and uh, and yeah, if if you, you can't do that, I think uh, you're right, Eric. You, uh, there's no reason to, to really you know put it out there because. You know, who's to say anybody else will? Writing is hard and everyone is their own worst critic. So if you can get yourself to laugh, it, it must mean that you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I tend to be my, my harshest critic. Um, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm always chock full of self-doubt. And then uh, I just got to get, get over myself and like, you know, send, send the script out there or, or finish the film or finish the comic and then just send it out. I think I'm at that point with comics that, you know, I know the art's going to look interesting enough. It's just like, I, um, I don't care. You know, it's just like, it's, it's out the door. It's like a, a child that just needs to go off to college and pay his own way. Speaking of the artwork, the poster didn't look like your style. Did, did you let someone else handle that duty? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, um, I, I don't think my, my artwork is uh, appropriate for, um, um, you know, the type of, uh, uh, films that I make, uh, I usually, yeah. So I, I had, uh, uh, my buddy Jay James McFarland. He's also our storyboard artist for Camp Crash. Uh, he did the, the, um, the poster and, uh, and what I want to do with, uh, um, each episode is each episode has its own movie poster. Um, I, I think that would be, you know, so fun and so cool. What a neat little collectible, um, you know, plus, you know, having a hand-drawn illustrated, uh, movie poster, uh, that's, that's a dying art. It's, it's now making this resurgence and has been for like the last six years or so. Um, I just think we need more of it because it's, you know, popular films are still chock full of like really bad Photoshop mm, BS. Um, almost all of them are that. And yeah. in fact, the alternate posters are always better than yeah. what you see when you go to the theater. Yeah, I agree. Anything that's, that's, you know, handcrafted like that. And, um, you know, it tends to be a, a lot, a uh, lot better and, and uh, has a little bit more heart and, and, uh, you know, can be, has the opportunity to be iconic. I mean, you know, the, the Drew Struzan posters of the past, I mean, those, Everybody goes to Dan. He's he's kind of the master of that genre. Yeah, I've got a couple of his hanging up in my house. I, I love him as an artist. I know you showed Camp Crash episode one to an audience. Tell me what it was like to be in that room. What was the audience reaction like? Well, we, we've, we've actually had uh, four um, small screenings of Camp Crash. We, um, we uh, screened over at Open Screen Night at uh, the Bug Theater back in January. And then we did another one back in May, and it was it was it was it was wonderful. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, won an audience award. I, I don't know if that says you know much, but uh, um, you know the audience that was in attendance they 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 enjoyed it. Um, you know, it was it was something very very different and uh, you know very comedic because uh, most of the stuff that they were I think uh, watching was was more dramatic um pieces and, and a lot more technical that's for sure uh but uh but that you know so so camp crash was kind of like a 
uh, a fever dream, you know, chaotic, you know, fun nightmare uh, to kind of go through. Um, yeah, at least that, that that seemed to be the case at the uh, the Bug Theater at uh, for Emerging Filmmakers series, which was in May. So so that was nice. We had a, a couple of people, uh, professionals that um, you know, seen expressed interest to to want to work with us. And, and that's very flattering and, and you know we can't can't wait to to see how we can have them on board um but uh yeah we, we did a screening couple couple nights ago at uh, at grace to kind of introduce because that's where we're shooting it um at that uh at that studio and complex and trying to introduce like the tenants into what we're actually doing it's like this is this is you know what you know why we shut down you know, the campus the way we did. And, um, and that was, that was pretty fun, but, uh, not, not a big attendance, but, uh, the people that did show up, I think they, they seem to appreciate it. And, and that's fun weirdness. I'm looking forward to the director's commentary. <laughs> the reason I say that is because I have so many questions and I feel like a lot of that would be addressed yeah. through you doing something like, but here's my burning question. Okay. Is Hagar, is he a uh, an imposter? Did he hijack these kids from some other camp that they were supposed to be going to? Oh, yeah, flat out, yes. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, they're, they're waiting for uh, a bus for a different summer camp. And, uh, yeah, when you show up um, and uh, you offer them uh, beer and cocaine and marijuana, <laughs> it's like, you should go, right? I can't imagine a kid that wouldn't. Yeah, I, I think that's just like, this sounds amazing. Now, had he pulled up in a van and offered him candy, uh, clearly, as society has uh, suggested, we should not get in that van. Yeah, super fun, super weird. Yeah, he totally kidnapped him. Yeah. Did you say that uh, we're going to be getting more music in the upcoming episodes? Yeah, so like, uh, you, well, you've seen the, the last uh, Mad Max movie. Um, you know, they, they have, the, the, the guitarist, you know, and, and then the drummers, uh, you know, playing along as, as the war parties going out. And right. Everything. Um, so I, I really like that element. So I'm trying to introduce that as well. Um, we're at different points of, uh, you know, battles and, and, uh, where the kids are learning and they need montages to get better. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to have uh, live bands on, on set, you know, playing, you know, their music. Um, so I think for the next episode, uh, I'm recruiting, uh, little Fyodor Babushka for, um, you know, a big blood explosion scene and, uh, and they'll be on set providing the, the live soundtrack for that. Um, I really, I really like the idea of, um, being able to, to record like live band music, you know, too. Um, cause you know, that way you got that atmosphere, it's, it's filling the space. It doesn't seem like it's, you know, a soundtrack, you know, that was recorded in a, in a studio. Uh, I like things up live. I, I'm not a big fan of, of, uh, having to do things ADR cause you know, it'll sound like it's in a box and then you have to you know, edit things down to, to make it feel a little bit more full and rich. And uh, so, you know, try and do it right the first time and uh, it'll be a, so much easier in the editing process. You said big blood explosion. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about what goes into making a practical effect like that. 
Well, um, and this this goes back to my OFM days. Uh, we had a bunch of uh, blood cannons, so it's basically just you know potato guns. You know, and we have a chamber, and um, yeah, we just launch it. So, so that's all for for this effect. That's all we really have to do is just have that and have a you know I have to build a carcass that uh, that you will know, spontaneously combust, and and uh, you know we'll have things like uh, glitter. That, uh, that spew out of it too. It'll be fun. Just just like the human body naturally produces, you know, glitter. Little shards of tiny, tiny pieces of flaking uh, metals, you know, that uh, should probably just, you know, cut up all your capillaries and your arteries and stuff. And, but, uh, but yeah, in, in this world, we can't crash. Yeah, weirdness rules. Assuming everything goes per schedule when your Kickstarter wraps up in early August, when are you planning on really getting started with the heavy lifting for episode two? Uh, we had a meeting on that today. So I'm going to email uh, the rest of the production and, and see. We're hoping that uh, we can be back to work uh, in September. Um, and then hopefully we'll get uh, enough momentum to, to just kind of roll into the, the next uh, episode or episodes. So like, you know, three and four and, and so on and so forth. Um, but it, it's going to take a, yeah, it's good. Here's a, yeah, it's going to take a village. Hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we, we want to bring on as, as many people as we can to, to kind of help make this happen. But yeah, uh, yeah, with, with um, the Kickstarter and everything, we hope that's just the beginning. We're working on putting together a Patreon account so we have a ro- you know, constant rotation of funds, um, and um, and then see where the momentum lies. I'm reaching out to a couple uh, local businesses to see if if they'll sponsor. One of the things that we want to do on a, on a corporate level is is produce you know a little promotional you know for online use or whatever you know that company is using some of our wacky characters. You know, it's, I, I'd love to to see uh, Hagar just you know promote cannabis. I think you'd be great for it, or or maybe uh, you know, Kid Three's you know sitting there, you know, uh, promoting uh, uh, Breckenridge Brewery, you know, brews or something like that. Um, I think Go Fast is still local, so that would be kind of fun. Um, you know, Kid Number Two is pretty huggable. That would be fun. Where can people find the Kickstarter? Uh, obviously, if you're listening to this, you can find it through BitFaced. We will have a link to it. Uh, but where, where do you want everyone to go? I looked at the page today, and you guys have got to look at some of these perks. They're they're amazing. It's really a fan-centered Kickstarter, you can tell. Uh, thanks. Yeah, uh, just go to uh, bit.ly, uh, B-I-T backslash campcrash. Uh, that'll be the, the short of it. Uh, you can also visit uh, misassembly.com. It's uh, our home site. Uh, you can find Camp Crash on Facebook with, with updates and especially all the, the Facebook live videos. Uh, but uh, specifically, uh, kickstarterbit.ly uh, backslash Camp Crash. Uh, so we've, we've got that. Um, yeah, there, there is a, a link on the, the Kickstarter for in the uh, uh, posted updates for the, the R-rated version. And that's on YouTube, and we're we're gonna make uh, the uh, the edited version uh, more accessible too. Uh, so so both of those will be on YouTube as well. And just you know try and uh, you know get a little bit more momentum and and get you know uh, the film community you know, involved you know and 
really, uh, at some point, we're going to need sh a shit ton of extras. So anybody and everybody, you know, you know, you know, hit us up. Um, and you, you're welcome to email me at uh, daniel at uh, missassembly.com and uh, uh, yeah, reach out to us. Uh, one, one thing that uh, we want to try and uh, model what we're doing uh, after is uh, there's a, a production company called Legion M and they produced the movie Colossal and uh, uh, recently Bad Samaritan with uh, David uh, is it Um and uh, I think they've got another one called uh, Mandy with Nicolas Cage it just absolutely looks fucking crazy bonkers and I, that one I can't wait to see but uh, but they're uh, um, they're a company that's uh, supported by uh, fans and, and investors that are fans. Um, we want to try and work our model into something similar, but at much much lower price points, because we want to do things that are more intimate, community based uh, projects. Um, so so yeah, feel free to hit us up if you have any questions. We're we're happy. <laughs> to take uh, you know feedback and and uh, criticisms and ask kick well me ask kickings uh, I can't uh, I I can't you know recommend that for anybody else. Sounds great. Did you see Colossal? Oh yeah, I loved it. It was so weird. I did too. I thought it was very unique. Yeah, it was it was so fun and so weird. We uh, I think when it came out to Alamo Draft House, uh, uh, Enigma and a few friends uh, and I you know went and saw that. Um, so, so that was, man, that was such a, a cool kaiju monster movie. Um, what a, you know, what a great, bizarre, very abstract film too, to, to kind of, you know, do, um, you, you're not normally going to see something like that, uh, except, uh, in like South Korea or, uh, Japan. Yeah, it was it was definitely unlike anything I'd seen in American cinema in a, in a very long time. And that's always a good thing in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, have you seen uh, Bad Samaritan? I haven't seen that yet. I haven't. No, who's in that? Uh, David Tennant from uh, Doctor, Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, he's the villain in it. Yeah, he plays a villain a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Jessica Jones and uh, God, he was really good uh, in that. I have to ask you before we wrap today about the mural that you did. That thing looked killer, man. Where can everyone see that at? Uh, well, which one? I guess the one I'm referring to is the the, the rabbit one. Uh, the, oh, uh, the, the so the big uh, uh, yeah. bunny uh, knocking over a city. So that's at the back of uh, uh, Mutiny Cafe on um, at uh, is it two South Broadway or Ellsworth in, in South Broadway in, in Denver. Um, and incidentally, uh, uh, my girlfriend and I are working on a comic book based off of uh, that. So just called Kaiju Bunny, and she came up with the storyline and everything. So uh, we're going to be trying some new uh, art um, stylings to to approach that project, but that'll that'll come a little bit later. Um, so that's fun. Um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of murals lately. So I've got a big uh, display at the Arvada Center and in uh, Arvada and, uh, you know, a bunch of um, insects with bunny ears. And then uh, I knocked out a, a crocodile one a couple, like a week ago. And I'm about ready to, to go to work on um, one for uh, Mr. Rogers, uh, uh, 
for a mile out of her way. Uh, I just saw that documentary and God damn, did it bring me to tears. I heard it's really good. So you recommend it? Uh, I do. Uh, bring tissues because you're going to sob all the way through. But it's, it's, it's very sweet. It's endearing. Um, it's something that's definitely very much needed, especially in, in this political climate where it seems like, um, you know, hate and uh, white supremacy is now got a, a strange new foothold. Um, and, uh, you know, all this animosity is being brought up. It's, you know, these simple lessons of, you know, just loving your neighbor and, and uh, having respect and, and being there for people, you know, almost it feels like it's completely subsided but uh, I mean it, it hasn't the majority of people I think are are very sweet and very nice and, and uh, well intended yeah just don't have a barbecue or go to a pool if you're black and, and you're good God <laughs> uh, I'm sure you saw that that video God it made me want to vomit yeah um what, what, which one was that? Was that with the, the lady calling the cops? Oh, there was that one, but then there was the dude this week that was said he was the chairman of the pool and was trying to uh, I, ID the lady, yeah. and it's her neighborhood. She lives there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think she was, wasn't she from uh, from Africa or something? I, re- I remember. Yeah, he's, um, he's since lost yeah. his job, so there is a little bit of justice in the world. He lost his job as chairman of the pool? No, like he had a real good job. Um, I think he lost the chairman of the diving board job too, but but yeah. he definitely lost his real job. Well, well remember a couple of months ago about uh, that uh, racist attorney in New York that uh, was was just uh, berating all um, these uh, Hispanic uh, um, uh, employees at like a food court. Or yeah, the uh, big massive protests outside his. Uh, office and and uh, i think outside his home i i i just don't, I, I don't understand you know these people how they can have such animosity it's um it, you know towards you know people i you know they they identify them as like the other the um you know it's it's weird it's so abstract it's like dude these are just people too i, I just wish they would you know realize their own bullshit and just go out and make friends with people that uh they think they they hate and you know and you know, go have a meal or something. And realize, oh yeah, they're they're people too. These are my neighbors, and these are my friends. And, and you know, it's bullshit. We all got to get through this life together. All right. Since you guys waded into this subject, I'm going to rein it back in just a little bit. Okay. Do you feel responsible as as a director, as a as a content producer in indie cinema, to break down barriers? I try to be pretty conscientious on, especially on uh, on my casting and, and who I'm putting in front. So, like with the nude scene, um, I wouldn't have put any of my actors through that. Uh, I, I'd much rather if anybody's going to be embarrassed and lose their job over a stupid nude scene, it better just be me. Um, and then, in terms of uh, like the kids, uh, I I cast you know some uh, homosexual people and some uh, trans people. Um, you know, those are my kids. Um, and, and I want to make sure that they're prominent, you know, so I, I didn't want to, you know, just, you know, the, the typical casting and, and everything. I, I, uh, wanted it to, to be, feel, you know, more offbeat and, and, uh, yeah, I think in, in future casting, I want to just bring in more people with, with 
different backgrounds, specifically different backgrounds than, than what you normally see, you know, on the big screen where it's, you know, usually some white dude that's being, um, being a hero. Well, and, you know, like, like with, uh, popular movies like Black Panther, holy shit, you know, nobody really anticipated how popular that thing was going to be. And it's, you know, there's probably just one white guy, I think in, well, there's the Tolkien white guys. <laughs> Both of them, Andy Serkis and um, and Homeboy that's in Sherlock. Yeah. Well, and that might be something that that uh, should be a term, the token white guy. You know, kind of kind of flip the book a little bit on us. And and I think that'd be that'd be great. I think that'd be so so uh, exciting to to see something like that. Knowing that a, a certain percentage of your audience is going to be white males, how then mm-hmm. as a as a filmmaker? do you facilitate uh, the identification? Like, you know, one of the things I've, I've always heard is mm-hmm. key is to get people to identify with the movie. If, if it's not through the characters or the archetypes, how do you go about doing that? Uh, they're human and the audience is human. So fuck it, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all living, you know, our backgrounds might be a little bit different, but, you know, we still got to eat shit and poop. So, and, and we love and we fuck. So we all need, you know, that warmth and we need that shelter. So, you know, if, if somebody has a problem, fine, so be it. Uh, I really don't care. Um, but, uh, but yeah, all these people have different backgrounds, you know, they're just as human as you and I, and, uh, I can empathize with, you know, whatever their situation they're going through on, on the big screen. As long as the story is, you know, well enough explained. <laughs> that should be all you need. Loving, shitting, and fucking. That's right. Loving, shitting, and fucking. That's a t-shirt. It's a good t-shirt. It's a good way to end today. Love, shit, and fuck. Daniel, thank you so much for, for joining us today, coming on. I always love talking to you. Please, guys, uh, anyone listening to this, go check out the Kickstarter Give a little bit of money. You don't have to give a lot. Every little bit counts. That's how you get these things made is everyone throws in together and we get a good product out of it. And be sure to check it out on BitFaced. We've had Camp Crash episode up there before. I will repost it again. That way you guys don't have to go back in time to look at it. And trust me, you will laugh. You will like it. You will get to see Daniel Crozier's cock within the first minute of the film. I mean, how how, how else can I sell this to you? But thank you so much uh, for, for coming on today. Is there anything else you want to plug before I get us out of here? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on here. And, uh, yeah, please, anybody out there in the audience and the wide, you know, landscape, you know, interested in doing cool shit, you know, hit us up. Um, you know, please visit uh, the Kickstarter, please, you know, and please, you know, we, we would love you forever. If you go in and watch, uh, you know, the first episode and make sure you share it with your friends. Uh, cause that can also be a, a tie that bonds. Yeah. You know, it doesn't cost anything to share it with your friends. Dan, you run in a lot of the same circles as the BitFace listeners. Uh, can you give us a quick overview of your summer event schedule, knowing that uh, a lot of the people that are listening now will probably be attending those same events? Let them know how they can come show support in person. Uh, I'll be at Mile High Parlay on uh, the weekend of uh, July 20th through 23rd, painting murals. On the, the 22nd, uh, I'll be um, at uh, uh, Art on Tap uh, teaching a, a sip and paint. 
So, uh, you know, come, uh, get ready to be inebriated and uh, uh, watch me try and teach you and feel free to heckle me, uh, teach you how to paint uh, very simply. And then um, uh, I think uh, August 18th, I'll be at Monster Day in Greeley, Colorado with Distortions Unlimited, the animatronic company. Uh, and uh, we'll be promoting uh, some other things that I have in the works that I can't talk about right now. And uh, Elise will be there promoting uh, her book. And then we'll be back at uh, Fort Collins Comic Con the following weekend. Uh, I think that's August, um, shoot, 26th. Uh, and yeah, so that'll be at Fort Collins Comic Con. I've got a table up there, so we'll be promoting uh, our wares, Camp Crash, and you know other projects that apparently I can't talk about yet. God damn it. <laughs> I can't believe that Fort Collins Comic Con is the same weekend as Colorado Springs Comic Con. You figure they would have coordinated those two. Well, yeah, I, um, I've, I've got my theories on, on that. So, but whatever, it's a thing. Um, I, I wish that uh, one would, you know, kind of, yeah, shuffle their weekend off, you know, to a different schedule. That way it unifies, you know, that community. Because right now, um, when you do that, it just splits the community. And both are pretty prominent. Um, I, th- I think for, well, I've, I've never been to Colorado Springs one, but I like the Fort Collins one because it's, it's more intimate. You know, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, uh, the, the rec room version of uh, the comic book convention. I've heard nothing but good things about Fort Collins. We will be at Colorado Springs Comic Con because this is our hometown. So we kind of have yeah. to go have to go to to that one. And plus I want to try to drink a beer with Booger. That would that would really make my year. Oh, that's right. He's going to be there. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, actually uh, most of the nerds and Ogre are going to be in attendance. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that. I didn't realize Ogre was alive. <laughs> He is. He doesn't look like he's very much alive, but he's he certainly is. Wow. Jeez. I mean, you know, you remember John Goodman in, in that movie. And, you know, you look at him now, he's he's in his 60s. He looks damn good. He does. I, I can't believe that Tom Cruise is 56. Yeah, well, you know, uh, every time I see that new Mission Impossible trailer, you know, I, I, I always love the the... the the, the sequence where they show Henry Cavill, you know, Superman beat the shit out of Tom Cruise. I was just like, yeah, that's the only reason why I go to see a Tom Cruise movie anymore. Uh, it's just to, to watch him get his, get hurt. Um, that's the, that was the only thing the mummy was for me was just to watch him get thumped a couple of times. And, you know, I was happy. And <laughs> Thank you again for joining us today. Everyone go out and check out the uh, the Camp Crash Kickstarter and check out episode one of Camp Crash. You can do it right through BitFaced. And thank you, Doug, for not only engineering today, but sitting in and being my co-host. I really appreciate it. I haven't been on the mic in a few weeks, and I don't think you have either. So I appreciate Dan for sitting and dealing with our crap and bad, bad, bad rhythms today. Uh, so from the BitCave, Daniel Crozier, my co-host Doug Lund, I am Eric G. Hollis, and we are out.